Hello, my little cherubs. This week, I want to elaborate more, add to, you know, a, a Instagram post that I recently put up, a thread, matter of fact, a thread, where I listed off, you know, the, the things that I learned um, after entering a safe relationship, right? What did I learn about my trauma after entering a safe relationship or safe relationships? I want to elaborate on this. I am a long-winded bitch over here. You know, I I try to do like reels and videos in under 30 seconds. I'm just not, too much needs to be said at times. And so I could do one, but it's like, I feel like I'm going to leave you with 10,000 questions if I do that. And I just, I struggle. I feel guilty leaving you with so many questions. So I try to elaborate. I try to be uh, as detail-oriented as possible, provide enough context, but clearly it's not personalized or individualized for you. But I still, you know, I, 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 I. I'm a, a two minute plus kind of video girl. I, I can't watch a two minute plus video. I just can't. I lose focus and I'm like, get to the point already. <laughs> so hopefully this podcast episode will, you know, provide a little bit more meat on the subject that I had written about on Instagram. And a lot of you really resonated with it. And I thought, you know what? I haven't done, I haven't done a podcast episode on this. And, you know, why not? Why not? She's running out of topics anyway. And I'm actually working towards um, interviewing people on the podcast, which I'm excited about once I kind of figure out all the the nuts and bolts of that. So uh, I'll keep you posted when I when I do have it figured out and what you can look forward to moving forward. Uh, solo episodes aren't going anywhere. I just can't do every single one like this anymore. We're six seasons in, and honestly, I am broke in terms of subjects like <laughs> that I connect to because everything has to be something I align with and I connect to or I'm talking about or I notice. And I don't know, maybe I'm just uninspired or maybe I just live a more peaceful life this these days and I have less that's rubbing at me. So it's just kind of like, uh, you know, uh, I, I could talk about that, but mm, I don't really want to, right? Like, uh, just trying in the name of transparency, trying to keep it real with you. Anyway, why don't we get into the the topic for today um, and try to keep this this podcast at a reasonable, you know, length so it's not too long-winded and you're not yelling at me. Get to the damn point, Amy. Okay, so something that I learned after trauma upon entering a safe relationship is that I need to get comfortable with peaceful environments and relationships that are not chaotic. I was used to, for the longest time, having high highs and low lows in my relationships, specifically at home with my family and in romantic relationships. I can't say that I had this dynamic within my friendships. I tended to keep friendships at arm's length for a period of my life. Like I had friends, I had good friends, we hung out. Did I let them in to my world on a deep mental and emotional level at all? Not really. They saw a lot of my reactions and my immaturity at times and we had a lot of fun. We laughed a lot, we did fun things. But did I sit down and have serious, deep conversations where I was honest with myself and therefore I could be honest with them? Like, did they ever really know about the struggles I had in my childhood and how they were playing? No, 
because I, I didn't share those things. I didn't share or talk too much about what went on in my home growing up. I just like didn't invite friends to my house. I always went to my friends' houses and my best friend who I've known since um, eighth grade, like freshman year of high school, who um, we had we had a falling out after a couple years after high school um, <clears throat> and then reconnected like 11 years after that. I've, I've mentioned this. Who's, you know, we kind of picked the right back up where we left off. She said to me, not that long ago, like a year ago or something, after we had reconnected and we're just like, you know, spending more time together and, and talking about things from when we were younger. She said, I, I always thought you didn't really like me when, you know, when we were younger because you never invited me over your house. And she's like, you know, I, I had come over there because we were, like, I spent a lot of time with her. But I always went to her house. We had sleepovers at her house. I went on vacations with her family. I didn't invite people over. And I remember having this conversation with her, and, and she was like, why was that? And I go, because it was just unpredictable. Like, my parents are good people. They would have me they would have welcomed you but they also are unpredictable so I never knew if like we were having fun like I didn't feel safe enough to let my guard down in my own house so I didn't feel like we would be able to have fun there because if we started goofing off or giggling too much we may or may not get yelled at that day if we you know, we're outside playing and we came inside and we didn't take our shoes off first, we may or may not get yelled at that day. And I didn't want to expose my friends to that. I didn't want them to get the wrath or the sudden jarring, like, outburst from one of my parents. So I kept my friends away from that. And I went to their house because I had more freedom at their houses. I wasn't going to get yelled at the way I was at home at their houses. I felt like I could let my guard down more at their houses. So needless to say, that was like the dynamic in my friendships. But in my romantic relationships, they really mirrored my family dynamic, which they often do. And after I, after, (laughs) after I was in many abusive and and toxic relationships, and I was really, really trying to change those patterns in my life, I remember how uncomfortable it was being around people when there was no problem, because my nervous system had been regulated by that point to predicting that anytime we talked, like it the conversation could start out okay, but eventually you would yell at me for something. I eventually was always going to get blamed for something. And so what's interesting is that's not only been something that I've had to get comfortable with, that's still, and that's why you come here for this level of honesty, that's still something I'm getting comfortable with um, in my life, is not feeling like I'm always going to get blamed you know, nobody is doing that. It's just this knee-jerk reaction inside of me to to take blame, to, to fault myself for things that I didn't do. Because growing up, that put me in control of the situation. Because the adults didn't take accountability. And they weren't going to regulate themselves. So for me, if I said, no, it's not my fault, or no, I didn't do it, They were going to come at me and yell at me and punish me until I said, okay, it's my fault. I'll apologize for it. So my knee-jerk reaction is to to immediately find fault in myself and take accountability for it, even when it's not mine. I'm better at that boundary of like what is my responsibility and what is not. But what I'm still getting comfortable with is feeling calm and at peace in moments where I feel like my, my body is kind of predicting there's going to be blame in my direction, right? So that takes time. That takes time. Hopefully that's a real, that, that resonates with you and that's a real enough example for you where you're like, okay, I don't, I 
don't need to put so much pressure on myself. It's going to take time and not necessarily the same amount of time it you had spent in that bad environment. And, and I want to point that out. Like I saw a comment, I, I, you know, I didn't go back to it, but I scrolled past on my phone a notification of a comment on Instagram where someone was like, for 20 years, I felt this way or I was exposed to this. And my therapist said, you know, it could take 20 more years. And it's like, sure, it could. It might not. It might not, honestly. If you're actively focused and and working through it, I would say more times than not, it's not going to take even half that amount of time. But really, you shouldn't put a time limit on it. You just set an intention and work towards the goal and take notice of when there are improvements that you can feel and you can pick up on because you're the only one that's really, really going to be in touch with that. Not your partner or they might notice, but you can't be dependent on them to notice the growth. You got to recognize it's going to feel so much better if you're in tune with, wow, I used to respond this way, you know, within five seconds. And now I'm able to like hold space for myself for a good hour or the rest of the day or whatever, right? So another thing that I needed to learn after um, leaving traumatic and abusive relationships behind, right, and entering safer ones, was that I was going to outgrow people. And not always outgrow per se, but sometimes you're not going to stay in alignment with the people that you were once aligned with. In other words, there might be people that you feel like are your closest friends and you're actively trying to work through some area of your life. Let's say it's like a toxic relationship situation, right? But you have like close friends, girlfriends, guy friends, whatever it is. And as you move through that area of your life and you start to learn things about yourself, you might start to look at those friends a little bit differently. And sometimes that means you start to look at them and reflect on why was I their friend in the first place? What did we even have in common? What was I drawn to? Why was I comfortable here? And I did a podcast episode a a while back, probably over a year ago at this point, about friendships changing. And I, I spoke of my own personal experience. Don't ask me what episode that is or what the name of it is. I mean, you would just have to kind of go look <laughs> and and see. I try to be detailed in the, the episode descriptions and sometimes the titles. So you might be able to find it. It might say friendships, outgrowing friendships, something like that. I don't know. Needless to say, if somebody remembers it, definitely um, leave a review on Apple of that and, and mention it. Um, the Amy, the name of the episode was this about friendships so other people can find it. But um, I, I talked about a firsthand experience I had with a friendship changing and, you know, and, and the interesting part is I... I'm definitely in a very different place currently than I was even five to six months ago or a year ago. Um, And the thing about me, and I don't know, this might be similar to a lot of you. The thing about me is that when I think about my own growth and I think about where I once was and where I am now, and I go to talk about it or share it with someone, I feel like I kind of have to cover my bases in terms of like all different perceptions or perspectives on the topic. I feel like I have to do that a lot here, and I've rationalized why I have to do it here because this is my business, and and I'm okay explaining things a little bit more than I am maybe on a, a personal level, you know, in my own personal life. But I could see how, from many different perspectives, certain topics can come across very differently, right? Because you could argue anything based on where you're standing. In other words, like someone might listen to that old episode about friendships changing and you outgrowing, and 
the, the, the friend in the situation, let's say my former friend in that situation, could listen to that or look at that and come at it from, from where they're standing, right? Their perception of it. They might look at it from the angle of they outgrew it. And I might feel I'm right in saying I outgrew it and they might feel they're right in saying they outgrew it. And that's the interesting part about personal growth is that like it's valid for each of you. And I'm aware of that. And, and personally, that doesn't make me uncomfortable anymore. Um, as I've gotten older and I really understand how there could be a million different viewpoints of one one situation, one subject. There's so many different angles to come at and they're all right for the people that are feeling them or thinking them because that is where they're at. That is their life experience. That is their belief system. That is their perspective from where they're currently standing. That might evolve and change in time. But that's right for them, which is why you should never try to convince somebody away from what they're thinking or feeling or invalidate them. Because at the end of the day, like what's valid for you is valid for you and what's valid for them is valid for them. And obviously that applies to certain contexts. We're not speaking to contexts of abuse. Um, But needless to say, I had to get comfortable with outgrowing people or suddenly going from knowing that I was really aligned with someone at one point and maybe they were like like top priority in my life to now my priorities have changed the things that I value have changed what is important to me has changed and that's happened not just with friendships that's happened with family relationships as well or you know um lifestyle changes, things that I prioritized and focused on on a very basic level. We could say like watching certain shows on TV was, I don't want to say, I feel like it would be dramatic to say it was the highlight of my day at one point. It was definitely something that I looked forward to. It was, I didn't have a partner at that time. I didn't have a lot of travel going on in my life. So I didn't have like big events or trips to look forward to. And I've noticed as I've gotten older that I have to get creative in finding things to look forward to. That helps me. It it helps my mental health. I don't have many more words for it right now, but it helps me. At that time in my life, I didn't have a big vacation to look forward to, you know, or a group outing to look forward to. I had a small group of friends that I was close with. And I had, you know, some TV shows that I like to watch. And so I would kind of like, like look forward to that time of the week when that show would come on kind of like back in the day when you didn't have like a DVR or like streaming services where you were like, this is my one shot to see this episode. That's what I would look forward to. And like that drastically changed as I moved away from some of those unhealthy relationships that I had and I moved into safer and more supportive ones because the interesting part was in the, in the, in the, the abusive relationships, I didn't spend like a lot of time doing anything really productive or having productive conversations with them. It was more like I spent time to say I spent time. Does that make sense? Like I spent time to, I don't want to say brag because I wasn't bragging to anyone, but to, to say check in my head, I spent time with my parents or check. I spent time with that friend. I got my socializing in for the week or whatever. And it was really just internal, like it was in my head. Now, because my friendships have changed, my lifestyle has changed, and my romantic relationship is obviously a, a main priority. Like, we live together, we do everything together. So now it's like there's way more intention that goes into my socializing. I'm not just socializing to socialize anymore. It's very clear with me in terms of this fulfills me for these reasons. This conversation is going to bring me peace for this reason or joy for this reason or validation for this reason. Whereas none of that was really considered or thought about in the past. 
And I think that's a good takeaway, actually, now that I'm saying it out loud. I think that's something to look at in your life as you cultivate healthier environments and relationships for yourself to consider, hey, like, what is the value of this interaction going to be or this outing, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, to do like dinner or brunch or coffee. Maybe it's just to go over to your friend's house and see their kid. Maybe it's you know, to do some type of hobby or activity you both like or a group of you likes. I've noticed, I've noticed, and this is also really, really valuable information, I find, if I am not clear on the value for myself, like I have to be connected to everything I do. That's just the way I live. If I am not connected to the value or clear on the value of the interaction, I tend to resist or avoid wanting to to lean into it and or be excited about it. And and that means if someone else suggested it, you know, uh, or if someone has reached out to me, if I'm not quite clear at that point on the value of that interaction for me, I might put it off or avoid it or resist it. I've noticed this about myself. And I think that's just like an unconscious habit that I've gotten into now of like, I need to be connected to the things I do that that makes me feel safe, that makes me feel fulfilled, that makes me feel happy. And if I don't have space in my day mentally, emotionally, or physically, or my week or my month to sit down and really clarify what will be the value of this hangout, for me, not just to check a box, like what would be the value for me? What do I get from that conversation or that interaction or that attention or, you know, that that activity? What am I getting? What am I gaining from it? What is it giving me? Because in the past, a lot of things took from me, you know, they, they took my time, they took my attention, they, they took my joy, they took my confidence, you know, I would check a box and be able to maintain an an image of I'm the good daughter I always visit or I'm the good friend I always show up for everything but was it reciprocated and you know what was the value of showing up in the first place just to say I showed up well that's not really a value (laughs) so that's something that I think you know, I think I, when I'm done recording, might sit down and reflect on that a little bit more in some areas that I'm realizing I'm not so clear on. Uh, but I think I can recommend confidently to you to do that for yourselves because I, I think it's really valuable to do that. So, you know, um, realizing though and being okay with the fact that some of the relationships that I'm trying to maintain in the present or I think I have to maintain just may not be aligned with what I value currently. And that doesn't always mean you got to have some big falling out. That doesn't always mean you've got to have a big conversation. That might just mean distance starts to happen because you've come to a, a realization. And that also doesn't mean if they reach out, you ignore them. You then use your words and you don't have to say, listen, I've realized I outgrew you. That's harsh. I once had a former friend say that to me. They were, but, but they didn't say, they didn't say it like that. They said, this was like back, way back in the day. They said to me, um, I think our friendship has run its course. And honestly, to this day, I quote it a million times over because it was probably the most harsh way to like end a friendship that, you know, had been there since literally kindergarten. To say I think this friendship has run its course is pretty harsh. Uh, there's a much more respectful and kind way to say I don't want to be your friend anymore. Um, but to each their own, I guess. I wouldn't say that to somebody. I, you know, I would, I would create space intentionally. But if they reached out or I reached out or whatever, and I had made a decision at that point that like even spending an ounce of time around this person is causing me some level of harm. I, and listen, I personally am someone that it, it takes a lot for me to get to a point 
where I am like, you need to be removed from my life. That is just who I am. I'm not easy to cut people out. Now, if it's if it's outright abuse, yes, I will. But I'm saying like, if there's if there's room in terms of me having to like decide, is this what I need or want around me versus being shoved into a corner and it's hard and heavy in your face. If I have to choose, I'm not going to immediately choose to eliminate you because I know that at some point I chose to have you there. And so I found value. And again, until I sit down and get clear about that, I'm not making any drastic decision. But if I were to eliminate a friend, I would first create space and uh, deliberately on my end and and see how that other person is going to continue to interact with me. If I cuz I've noticed in my life I'm usually the one to reach out, to plan, to, you know, to initiate those things, I usually am in the past. And therefore, when I would stop doing that so proactively, I noticed that I wouldn't really hear from certain people. And I was just like, okay, well, then that that's it. You know, I don't, there doesn't need to be some big conversation. You don't put forth any effort. The reason this friendship has maintained itself is because of me and the effort and the energy I invested and as you can see the minute I reduced it or eliminated it it wasn't there was zero coming at me it wasn't like breadcrumbs it was zero um now if they continue to reach out you know I might reduce the amount of time I spend around them and then kind of see how that plays out that's again, that's me. And from where I was was standing, I wouldn't, there's nobody in my life now that I feel that way about or, or that I've outgrown. Um, so moving on, the next thing that I had to learn moving into safer relationships was that I will, and this kind of goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about, I will be interacting with people very differently. You know, the way my friendships looked and sounded before in certain ways with people that are, you know, no longer aligned with who I am and becoming and what I'm prioritizing, they looked very different. Does that mean like my personality changed? Not necessarily. It's just the behaviors I defaulted to in the past are very different then and now. I don't want to default to them. I've chosen to consciously change them. So my interactions are naturally going to be different. And uh, this is a really great example. My family dynamics, um, like my family unit, the way we connected, and I only recently realized this, like this was only a recent realization as of like earlier this year, that the way we have always connected with each other is by talking about each other to each other. In other words, talking about behind one's back to another one. That was how the connection was maintained. There weren't really interactions happening within my family of one calling the other up or one spending time with another. And it was just like you talking about good things happening in your life. or things you were doing in real time, it was always to bitch about somebody in the family. And so we connected through that. And it was a fascinating realization when I had it, because I was like, wow, well, this goes back way, way far, right? Like, this has been going on for quite a while, forever, if anything. And I, so, so the minute you become aware of something, and you all know this, it's like you see it everywhere. It's kind of like when you buy a new car, right? Or you start talking about it, uh, buying a new car. You suddenly see that car everywhere and you never saw it before. And you're like, holy shit, everybody has this car. And it's like, I thought nobody had it. Why the minute I want it, everybody has it. No, it's just in your reality now. It's in your, your conscious mind. So now you're going to pay closer attention to when you see it. Whereas before you weren't because it wasn't in your conscious mind. It wasn't there at the top of mind when you were looking out at the road or the parking lots. 
the same with this. I came to this realization and then suddenly it was in my face. I was like, oh my God, every time I go visit my parents, they're talking about one of my siblings. Or every time I call up one of my siblings, I default to talking about another family member, bitching about a situation or an interaction or a conversation. And it was like, number one, I don't want to participate in this anymore. And that was hard. Even though I realized I didn't want to do it, that was hard to change because I was like, how do I talk to my siblings and my parents now? Like, they're not changing. I'm changing. I don't want to, they're going to call me up and talk about each other the same way they always have. I don't want to do this anymore. And what most people, most of you guys, because I know, because I talk to you, I just blame it on you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, what all of us want to do initially is blame our inability or our struggle to change on the other person. Well, they're not going to change, so so this is impossible, Amy. I can't do it. And it's like, nope, that's a, an excuse. That's an excuse. It's so much easier to be like, well, I'm not going to be able to do this. I guess I'm just going to have to tolerate it because if I call up so-and-so today, the first thing they're going to do is ask me about so, like one of my siblings or parents or they're going to talk about them. They're going to offer information. How do I deal with that? And the answer is you set a boundary. And everybody always gets tripped up there. They're like, what do you mean you set a boundary? Well, you've decided you don't want to participate in a behavior anymore. Therefore, you don't want that behavior coming at you anymore. Okay, rightfully so. So what do you do? You know it's predictable because it's a consistent behavior from them. You know that you're suddenly changing and they're maybe not on the same path, right? They didn't reach the same conclusion as of yet. So the next time you talk to them, you could probably confidently expect them to do the same thing they always do, and they're going to expect you to do the same thing you always do, but you're not going to want to. Now, changing a habit is hard because your, your knee-jerk reaction is to go to that old place. If you're not clear on a new way to function, you're immediately going to go to that old place if you haven't sat down and decided, this is how I'll talk now. This is, this is how I'll function now because you're on autopilot, right? So going in is scary in and of itself. And, and you've also got to do some work and get clear and go, okay, so I, I have some boundaries around this. Number one, like I know what to expect. I know this person is going to talk about other people in my family. I always participated and talked about other people in our family as well. I don't want to do that. So what am I going to do when I get on the phone with them? Now, a lot of you don't even want to get on the phone at that point. You're just like, I'm just going to avoid all the phone calls from my family. I, maybe I just need to eliminate my family. That's dramatic in most contexts. That's a reaction because you're avoiding because you don't want to actually do the work because the work is not to eliminate your family in this context. Again, we're not speaking to highly abusive situations where you need to eliminate people. We're talking about keeping and maintaining relationships takes work. And this is the work. This is what the work looks like. I'm personally tired of talking about trauma when it pertains to like active abuse and crisis where in in individuals' minds who are in those situations, it's black or white. It's all or nothing. It's stay or go. I'm, I've moved past that. I'm not working with individuals in crisis anymore. I'm not talking about that anymore. I just decided that. Actually, I decided that a long time ago. But like, if I wasn't clear then, I'm clear now. I'm not talking about that. We're not talking about those contexts. What we are talking about is maintaining these relationships that you want to change and evolve with you. Okay. So we don't avoid in these contexts. That's an excuse. That's an avoidance of the work. What do we do? We got to get clear on how we're going to behave. Okay, fine, great. So you look at what is the predictable behavior that's usually going to come at you. How don't you want to respond? That clarifies how you do want to respond. If I don't want to respond with shit talking my sibling, what do I want to do instead? That's the tricky part. That's where I always personally get stuck too. It's like, oh, well, my mind is blank. Like, if I'm not doing the old thing, the old way that I only know, what's the other option? That's usually where you need to ask someone. That's usually where I need to ask someone. Like, what are the other options? What's available to me? What What does it sound like 
in another way. That's why I give you this podcast. So you have that, those options, right? Like, here's how I talk. Here's what I do. Here's what I think. Here's what I feel. Here are your other options, okay? Another option would be talk about yourself. Ask them how they are. Maybe the boundary is let's only talk about each other to each other. Maybe that's the boundary, but you got to get clear on those. Maybe the boundary is like we don't bring other people into the mix. Like if you want to shit talk our other sibling, call up our other sibling and say it to their face. Maybe that's what you value. That's why I gave you that boundary setting course for trauma survivors because it's going to walk you through that whole process. So I'm not going to go into detail there. Go buy the course. It'll walk you through it step by step. I put a lot of energy into that. It'll take you through each step. If you identify the value, I don't, I don't, like one of my values was like, well, what I didn't value. Let's start there because that was always easier. I didn't value being the middleman. I didn't value being everybody's fixer. I didn't value having to listen to my mom call me up and only talk about my brother to me. I, 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 my goal, right, so that clarified what I did value and what I wanted. I wanted my mom to call me up and ask me how I am and share how she is. That's what I wanted. That's what I valued. I wanted a relationship with my mother that was between my mother and me, not a relationship with my mother that was about my brother and everybody else and me fixing her problems with them. So how did I bridge the gap? It was like set a boundary around the things that you didn't value anymore and redirect. Only act in accordance with what you do value. In other words, I had to match what I valued with how I behaved. Okay? Simple. Again, by the course if you have more questions on that because it walks you through it. So I had to realize all of that when I was realizing I have to interact with people differently. Like this shit ain't working for me anymore. It's not what I want. I don't. I don't want to be talking about, like, I noticed that that was how I connected with everyone at a certain point. Like, I, I realized even with Phil, I, I would st- I would sit down to, like, talk about our day. And all I wanted to do was shit talk things and people. And, and, it, and I was, like, listening and paying attention now he spoke, watching and witnessing how his family talks with each other. Watching and witnessing all these things. And I was like, oh, there are other options available to me. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't even like this. This is, I don't, this doesn't feel like this is true to my character. It feels like I just do this because this is all I know. So that was a big one, as you can see. That was very, very layered. That's why I referred you to a course, by the way, because it's layered. It's so layered. We can't tackle it in a podcast. You got to go invest some time and energy into it peeling back those layers. But that was a, a an important one. Once I started to realize that the way I was functioning within my relationships may not truly align with what I'm saying I want coming at me and the and what I value, then it was like, wow, I got to do some work here and get clear on how to behave. And it was really just an, a, a process of sitting down and giving myself direction. Like, Okay, well, at the end of the day, when Phil asks me how my day is or when he's on a work trip and he calls me and asks me how my day is, these are the things I don't want to talk about. And I literally wrote this out to myself and still will at times in the notes section on my phone. I'm not lying to you. We'll pull up and write like, don't talk about these things. Like, this is not what you want to be doing. And I have found... It very, very helpful to give myself direct like instructions like that. Like talk about these things. Don't talk about these things. For me personally, the more I put things on paper, like in words or say them out loud to myself, I make them real because they are. Now they're tangible. I, I heard it or I see it. And when it stays in my head, I forget it. So I try to always repeat things to myself out loud or write them down to validate them for me and make them tangible so that I'll actually act on them. Um, next thing I had to really learn was <laughs> I had to discover that I'm not the only one struggling. I know this sounds wild, but... I never had, and a lot of us who have been through trauma and abuse, 
didn't have space to see others or hear others. Even if we were acting or establishing relationships in ways, like I was always helping people and, and being supportive of people, but I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have enough emotional or mental space to actually realize, comprehend, and connect with the fact that everybody has struggles because I was usually in fight or flight. And if you're in survival mode, all you're thinking about is survival. That was a huge one just to kind of snowball off of that topic, though, to realize other people were struggling. Like, to be in survival mode and and really, like, just be functioning like, okay, I just need to survive today or this interaction. That was something that Phil actually had to point out to me early on in our relationship. Like, you are always just, like, you didn't have space to think about future things because you just always were living with the mindset of, like, let me get through this hour. Let me get through this day. Let me get through, like, I wouldn't even think often a week in advance. It was like, how am I going to survive this interaction? And, And that was my nervous system for many, many years. And... You know, it took a long time to get to a place where there was there was enough peace and a sense of safety in and around me where I could open up and actually consider future things. And I'm talking on a basic level like saving and investing money was not necessarily something that I was doing. And that's the interesting part about the, the conversation around trauma life after trauma as well is that you start to connect the dots to other areas of your life and how how your nervous system being imbalanced or, or overactive or underactive at times like impacts a lot of the other moves you make in life not just your relationships but how you learn and and use money you know your money mindset how you take care of your body your health Like a lot of those, as you move further and further away from those traumatic and abusive situations, like they're further and further in your past, you'll start to to have more space to reflect on them and realize, wow, like my my way of spending money or or thinking about money really mirrored the way I was feeling about life as a whole and relationships as a whole it's really really fascinating I'm not going to dig into that particular thing right now but like it's really fascinating so yeah I didn't have I mean same topic but like I didn't have space because I was always in survival mode to actually like see that there was you know other people were struggling too maybe not with the same things maybe not with as heavy of a thing as maybe I was at times right but they were struggling too. And and I think it's hard to, to say something like this on a social media platform because it it's not in context. And, and rightfully so, it will be taken out of what it is intended to be in context about and attacked. But a lot of us who have been through trauma and abuse afterwards tend to live in a world that is all about us and I don't mean disrespect by that like I have struggled with this too like I care deeply about other people but after trauma and abuse and and really trying to heal from that for many years I lived in kind of a a very selfish self-centered world mentally and emotionally my actions didn't demonstrate that. I was very selfless in my actions and my behavior towards people. Like I looked as if I never considered myself. But mentally and emotionally, everything revolved around Amy. And again, not necessarily in a negative way, but more in a I internalized everything type of way. So everything was about me. Your bad mood was my trauma response. You know what I mean? Your bad mood, I took and internalized and made like, I must have done something to you. And I start, yeah, yeah, isn't that crazy? That's 
tra- like a trauma response to start to look at the world and be like, you're not smiling right now. I must have did something wrong. That was because those, that, that was a direct correlation of the relationships and the dynamic that had come from them. I was blamed for everything. So yeah, of course, I then went out into the world and it was all about Amy. Your bad mood was about me. It was There was no space to consider you have other stressors. It was all Amy. Crazy. Um, and I'm going to end on this next one. All right. So uh, so I think I've covered, you know, a good chunk. The, the other chunk, what is it? Like one through six or whatever I, I had put on Instagram. These are just additional ones that have come up that I realized. And I'm like, wow, okay, I can talk a little bit more in depth about them. So the, the last one I want to... I want to point out is that I had to learn was the less you blame other people for your struggles and your problems, the less you want others not taking accountability. I said that in a very complicated way. I realize this now, but it's because I made a note on a post-it to myself that I wanted to say that and I wrote it in fucking hieroglyphics, apparently. <laughs> the the less you, the, so, so in other words, the more you take accountability after trauma, right? As you're moving into safer relationships, the more you start taking accountability, the more you start to realize how little other people take accountability and the more emphasis, um, the more you start to emphasize how you value people who take accountability. So you don't, you don't, you want to spend less time around people that are just blaming others or the world or the government or whatever for some type of situation that they're personally struggling with. Are those all factors? Yeah, everything is a factor, right? Like we can't negate that the weather impacts our physical health and well-being, but again, there are other options that you can take. So you can, you can make the excuse or you can find some sort of proactive solution and not sit here and be a victim, right? And so the less you you find yourself blaming others, the less you find yourself deflecting accountability, the more you value people taking accountability. And that will connect to some of these other things, like will make you interact with people differently, and will make you realize, wow, I don't know why I spent so much time with this person. They never take accountability. Like it just has you seeing people differently and seeing yourself very differently because you are different. You're functioning differently. So learning these things was really important because when you when you leave these traumatic situations and you're dealing with the aftermath of it, there there are so many different stages and layers to kind of peel back and navigate through and feel through and and recognize. And it can feel a lot. It can feel overwhelming. And I think to have a voice that says, hey, I've been there and I'm on the other side of a lot of these. And I know these struggles firsthand. And so A, you're valid in feeling this way or thinking this way or perceiving this way. There's nothing wrong with you because that's what a lot of you guys tend to do after being through, going through some type of traumatic, abusive situation. You take fault. A lot of us do that. And you feel different. You feel weird or you feel crazy or you feel these things. You start to judge yourself for feeling this way or functioning this way. And it's like you're not invalid. This is very common. Matter of fact, we could say, quote unquote, normal for people to feel these ways. And so I just want you to know, A, you're not alone. You're not alone. I want to validate you. And I want you to recognize that like all of these things, there are solutions for. There, There's a way to move through them. There is. Um, and hopefully me talking and giving you some specific points to reflect on and look at or resources that you can go invest in and turn to will help you along that path. But I, I, I do hope that this podcast episode allows you to walk away and just, you know, breathe easier, take a deep breath and feel some level of relief that like there is a way through. 
and you're not alone. And that's all. That's all I want to leave you with today. Stay tuned for next week. I, I can't believe, my God, I cannot believe that next week is already Thanksgiving, guys. <laughs> and we're approaching literally Christmas sooner rather than later. So I'm excited. Um, I'm personally excited. This is the first year that I am like amped up and festive. I, and, and maybe we could talk about that next week because I have yet to really reflect and process why that is uh, other than, you know, we're in a, our, our home and we love it here. And last year we were, we had COVID on Christmas. We didn't even put up a Christmas tree. So really technically it will be our first year decorating together and having a tree together and Maybe it's a little bit of that, but maybe it is also just that I have space now to actually enjoy a holiday. And I think if you have been a longtime listener of this podcast from day one, there were many early podcasts that I said how I'm not a festive person and I hated holidays because holidays were always pretty traumatizing for me. And I think I touched on throughout the years, times where it started to get better. And I was like, this was a good holiday. I had a good time. Positive things happened. But I've never felt this way, like about a holiday approaching where I'm excited and I'm looking forward to it. That's a very new feeling for me, which is also bringing up a lot of fear, a lot of superstition that's a new one where I feel like I'm going to jinx it if I talk about it or I get too excited. That's not too new, but the whole I'm going to jinx it is new. So yeah, I'll reflect. Stay tuned. I'm sure I'll touch on that next week um, before the holiday. But yeah, thank you for being here. If you enjoyed this episode or previous episodes of the podcast, please take the time out of your day. It only takes like 2.5 seconds to leave me a, a rating or a review on Spotify or Apple. You can do it on both if you so choose. If you have both apps on your phone like I do, hey, hit me up on both. It helps me. It helps other listeners. And um, go leave me a comment on Apple um, in the review section and let me know if you actually know the, the name or of the episode that I was referencing about friendships because now I am genuinely curious. If you remember what it is, tell me in the reviews and, and that way other people can find it too. Okay. So I'll see you next week and we'll chat then. Take care.